Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbake. Let's talk about money. So, it is health insurance season. Um, If you are getting your health insurance through the exchange, it is time to sign up. And the deadline is December 15th, which is earlier this year than it's ever been before. So you have less time to make decisions. I know that looking for health insurance not only is a huge financial decision, for most people, it's the second largest cost that they have. It's also really confusing. And so I really want to help you Figure out what you need and uh, avoid some of the common mistakes that people make when they're shopping for health insurance. And awesomely, we have a really great guest on today. So we have Jack Hopper of Take Command Health, which is a company that helps small businesses and individual people be savvy health insurance consumers. They look through and look at various plans and can walk you through the different scenarios. And Jack is going to do that for us on the air today. Um, Jack actually founded uh, Take Command Health when him and his wife were expecting twins when he was just moving across the country to go to grad school. And he asked everyone trying to figure out how much it was going to cost him to have twins in the hospital, for his wife to have twins in the hospital. And nobody could even give him a ballpark answer. No doctors, hospital administrators, or insurance experts. He thought, this is really not the right solution. (laughs) So um, he is trying to solve that, and hopefully he's going to help you try to solve your questions today, too. Jack, thank you so much for joining us, um, because now you work in the health care industry trying to make it better for small business owners. So I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm I'm excited, and and there's there's nothing like a personal story to, you know, kind of motivate you to, to figure out a big problem uh, like health insurance and, uh, you know, excited to kind of share some some tips and tricks and learnings uh, uh, with the listeners today. Awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I've mentioned before on the show, but I have rheumatoid arthritis. And so I'm a really expensive um, person <laughs> for health insurance companies. And I'm also a small business owner. So I get my health insurance through the exchange. And I didn't have health insurance for most of my 20s. It just wasn't a thing that I had access to. And trying to navigate the exchange is like, I have a degree in economics. Like, I have taken multiple healthcare policy classes, and I still occasionally want to break down in tears trying to figure out all the terms in there. <laughs> so I'm really excited to have you on to help walk us through it. Um, I think the first thing I want to remind listeners is that um, you're not expected to be an expert on this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, it's not quite like buying something on Amazon. You can't go read all the reviews. <laughs> 
Um, but at the very least, you can understand what the terms mean, um, or you know, they're about as clear as mud. So, uh, so first um, up, Jack, let's talk about all the numbers you're uh, going to see. Yeah, no, Lillian, I'd say you're you're not alone. Like the uh, health insurance is it's so intimidating to people, and uh, as you mentioned, you know, you have an economics degree, and and uh, you know, Americans we're we're really good at shopping for cars and cell phones uh, and things like that, but. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of, you know, brilliant economists uh, and, and lawyers and attorneys and accountants, you know, when it comes to health insurance, it's like their eyes glaze over and roll back in their head. And it's like, what does all this mean? And, um, you know, we've, we found some, a, a little bit scary statistics, but, uh, you know, having a lot of choices on the exchange uh, is great. Uh, but a lot of people make some common mistakes, uh, and, and we found out about 90% of people actually choose the wrong health insurance plan. Uh, and I think that'd be, you know, where you're going a little bit, where we could talk about, you know, kind of well, what are the terms and what do they mean, and, and how do I not make those mistakes? Uh, and uh, what does it mean to choose the right health insurance? Yeah, plan? I was going to say. So the, people choose the wrong health insurance plan. What does that mean? As long as I have health insurance, right? I'm I'm fine. Right. And, and, you know, actually having insurance, you know, it's, it's still, it's expensive, it's, it's frustrating, it's still recommended, right? Even if you're, you know, young and healthy and invincible, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we hear stories all the time about, well, I didn't get health insurance and I broke my leg and I've got a $60,000 bill and, you know, you don't, it's, it's not worth the risk still. Um, but the, the ways, you know, the, the mistakes, you know, we see people make, uh, it's, a lot of it is preventable. Uh, people get caught up in insurance about the what if, uh, and really it's more about the kind of what's going on now. Uh, as, as you shared, you know, with your rheumatoid arthritis, that's most likely going to be your largest expense for the year. So how do we plan and make sure that the doctors that you need and the, and the prescriptions uh, that you might take uh, are covered by, by the health plan? Uh, we, we see a lot of people that you know, they'll think, oh, I got a plan, but then, and then they go to their doctor and they're out of network. And so they go now a network charge or, or they didn't understand how the prescription formulary works. So they, they see, oh, my prescription's covered, but you know, oh, I'm paying, I'm paying a lot more than I, than I would have on another plan. Those are mistakes that are avoidable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I've got three acronyms that I commonly encounter on the exchange and mm-hmm. I want you to define them and tell me how they impact me as a consumer. So I see okay. HMO, PPO mm-hmm. and HSA. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so, uh, and, and there's even more acronyms <laughs> out there. There's HRAs and FSAs and EPOs. Let's start um, with those three. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we, we, uh, it, it is an alphabet soup. Uh, the first two you mentioned, uh, HMO and PPO, Let, let's separate those because those are actually doctor network structures. Um, so an HMO, uh, stands for a health maintenance organization, uh, and they're going to be the, the least expensive plans you'll find on the exchange uh, in, in general because they're the most tightly controlled doctor network. Uh, now, now, what does that mean? That, that means usually you have to have a primary care provider, and to see a specialist, you're going to need a referral. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't like that because it's like, well, I want to show up. Uh, you know, I want to be able to if I need a neurologist or a cardiologist, I'm just going to walk into their office. Uh, but the reality is most of the time you're putting extra burden on the healthcare system that way uh, when you access it without going to a primary care doctor. Uh, now, a lot of people 
panic and say, well, I don't want to have to wait for a, a referral. And they have these stories from their grandparents and parents about never, ever get an HMO. The reality is if, if you're healthy, like HMOs have modernized a lot. You can get referrals over the phone, uh, even by email or telemedicine. So that, depending on the ones you're looking at, uh, it can be a lot smoother. Yeah, I know. I had an HMO through my old job. I had Kaiser, which is one of the largest. It was actually the original HMO, um, and they're a big, mm-hmm. big insurer here in Oregon. And what I liked about it was that everything was in the same building. So, yeah. <laughs> um, not convenient if the building isn't close to you. Uh, they, you know, they have a couple in Portland, but I, you know, mm-hmm. I would get a referral, and I would only have to walk down the stairs to go to the other network, and everything was online. So it was they had really good um, record maintenance because of the Perfect. it, you know, being integrated, which isn't I think true with all HMOs. But um, for Oregon listeners, Kaiser does have very everything's very online, um, especially compared to the alternative PPOs that I've been on. So what is a PPO? <laughs> PPOs are called preferred provider organizations, uh, and they're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum of the HMO, where they give you the most flexibility to see any doctor you want. Um, they, they have a concept of kind of in-network or out-of-network, but they still will provide uh, out-of-network benefits. So you literally could walk into any doctor anywhere, and your insurance will, will help pay for something. But then, you know, if you back up and think about it from the insurance plan's perspective of, you know, oh, gosh, you know, uh, what if this person, you know, is ringing up all these bills and they don't, they don't really need it or it's not necessary or it's redundant? Or as you pointed out, Lillian, you know, maybe they go to one provider here and then another provider at another hospital and they have to run the same test because they're not on the same, mm-hmm. uh, same network. Uh, you know, there's a lot more cost to it. So, so PPOs provide a lot of flexibility but they're definitely more expensive. Uh, and that, that's something we see a lot of people get trapped of, I need a PPO or I need a HMO. And I think really understanding the difference uh, in, in how you would access healthcare, you're still going to get great coverage. There's still, uh, there's still doctors to take care of you if, if you develop a condition. Uh, it's just kind of being smart about how you access the network and, and knowing what you just purchased. Yeah. So one, you know, one problem that I've run into, I've had, uh, you know, a lot of folks approach me that it's their first time using the exchange. They're young. They've been on their parents' health insurance mm-hmm. um, and they go, I've typed in all of my doctors and my, my dentist mm-hmm. and my optometrist and I couldn't find a single plan that covers all of them. I go, well, mm-hmm. there's there's two problems with that. One, a lot of folks don't realize that um, almost all the exchange plans don't cover adult dental. Um, and that's a Correct. separate policy that you get. Um, if you've you know previously been on like a, a nice government health insurance plan or uh, mm-hmm. your parents' very large corporate plan, it's possible that your dentist was not a separate policy. But generally, you never include your... Um, super specialty doctors, so vision and dentist Mm -hmm. um, in that list of providers. But then the other thing that I had folks run into is that they think that they need 100% of the doctors that they have been seeing to be in network. Um, And, you know, this Mm -hmm. was the big hubbub, which was the Obama said, you can keep your doctors. And in reality, that didn't actually pan out for everyone. Um, And so what are the what are the options if you find a plan that you like, the cost makes sense for you, but it doesn't cover one of your doctors? Um, Mm -hmm. Is there or your doctors out of network? Um, Are there are there options? Should you choose that plan anyway? Yes. Yeah, it's it's a good question. And uh, we we have some good tips and tricks and scenarios. Uh, We've published at uh, TakeCommandHealth.com. But, you know, as you pointed out, you know, most dentists and therapists, 
uh, and, and kind of the, what I would call the routine doctors, um, you know, are not going to be participating in the exchange networks anymore. And, and people will panic, but that's actually okay. And it's going to be better for you to pay cash in those situations anyway. Uh, if you think about, you know, when you go to the dentist, and, and for this reason, we, we actually very rarely recommend uh, individual dental insurance. Uh, you know, if, if you're paying $30 uh, a month for a dental policy, uh, and they're going to help cover your cleaning, you know, where you can be savvy as a cons- consumer is actually understanding the cost a little bit. You know, the average cost for a dental cleaning uh, with an x-ray and fluoride and everything is about $200. Uh, so if you add up in your head of like, all right, well, I get two cleanings a year, and I'm paying $30, $40 a month, and I have a $100 copay, and when you add it all up, you're, you're paying way more than you need to on insurance when you could just go to the doctor and say, hey, instead of filing it through insurance and having to go through all the hoops, why don't I just pay you $150 cash? Why don't I just pay you, you know, $200 cash? Well, and a lot uh, of most, dentists will, will take it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, quite often they'll give you a cash discount as well. So, um, you know, sure. I don't I don't have dental insurance because it I have I'm very lucky to have good teeth genetics. And um, mm-hmm. so I, I don't have cavities. I just have to get the cleanings. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that most of them will give you a discount if you you pay in cash up front. Um, right. Although one of the frustrating things about my dentist is they never seem to have change, but then they charge me an mm-hmm. arbitrary like 140 and 35 cents or something, and they have no change. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, make make sure you have exact That's a change. Problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's their problem. Um, yeah. One of the uh, one of the other things that folks need to look for when they're looking for kind of those auxiliary plans is a lot of dental and um, vision insurance because I, I you know I know hear people saying this that are like oh that's great for you but I I got ten thousand dollars worth of dental work last year like I needed mm-hmm. multiple root canals but a lot of those dental plans have really low um, maximums that they'll pay yeah. so you need to yeah. keep an eye out for that if you're you're thinking about it you know you did the math and you're like oh I'm gonna need you know, I'm going to need a lot of work. So it makes more sense to get this plan. Um, a lot of those plans have like an a thousand or $2,000 out of pocket maximum, which buys you almost nothing in dental work, unfortunately. Yeah. Or they'll, or they'll have exclusion periods where you have to be on it for two or three years before they'll pay for, you know, a root canal or braces. Um, I, if, uh, it's kind of a rule of thumb. If, if you're doing the math on individual dental insurance and you think you need it, 99% of the time, you've probably missed something in the small print. Right. Uh, and I say that not to be discouraging, but but we really don't recommend individual dental insurance. It's kind of a really bad payment plan or like layaway plan. Now, what we do recommend and, and where, where we can point people to are, uh, are what's called dental discount networks. Yep. And this is where you pay a small fee uh, on, the, on the order of magnitude of just a few dollars a month, three or four dollars a month. And then you get access to all of like the large corporate negotiated rates. Uh, So let's say a dental cleaning uh, is and and fluoride and x-rays is $200 Uh, with a dental discount card. uh, You get the big corporate rate and it's $85 or something like that. Uh, That's worth it. And that covers, that's going to help you with root canals, with braces, with everything right away. Uh, And and it allows you to kind of join a group that's, that's collectively bargaining 
uh, with different dental networks. It's it's so, pretty so much like buying a coupon options. book. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> it's pretty much like buying a coupon book for dental. Like you've opened the coupon exactly. book and you, you know you can only go to the providers that are listed. But the networks are really wide for a lot of those too. Um, and if you have a dentist that you prefer, you usually before mm-hmm. you invest in them, um, before you pay the couple dollars a month, you can you can look up and see if your dentist is covered by that um, uh, dental discount plan. Um, sure. <laughs> so you can, you know, do the research ahead of time if you're really attached to your dentist. I'm not attached to my dentist, but I know a lot of people are. <laughs> Hopefully um, here she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, part of this is just that I've changed insurance so much over the past several years that I keep moving, uh, moving mm-hmm. dental things. So now that I pay out of pocket, I can actually like choose who I go to. Um, so we have one more acronym that we didn't cover, which is HSA, which is very relevant yeah. to if you have someone that is not covered in network, but you like everything else about your plan. Mm-hmm. HSA is one of the things that can help you cover that. Uh, can you give mm-hmm. us a little background on that, Jake? Jack? Sure. We love uh, HSAs. Uh, HSAs stand for Health Savings Account. The one, uh, you know, and, and people get intimidated by this and, and think, oh, my gosh, I, you know, it's going to be a, a ton to manage or I'm going to have to budget or I'm going to use it or lose it. And, and uh, all that's not true. It, it's just another, imagine a savings account at your bank. Uh, and your bank probably has an HSA account they can set you up with. Or uh, take commandhealth.com. We have a free HSA account. So don't, don't pay big fees for it. And, and what it does is allows money that you put in uh, can be spent tax-free uh, or you get a tax deduction uh, for medical expenses. So it's an instant 30 or whatever your tax bracket is, it's an instant 25 to 30% discount on uh, medical costs. Uh, we see people, you know, waste a lot of money, you know, if, if, uh, if you know you have a condition, you know you have a prescription or you have a therapist and you need to see a doctor, you know, uh, it, we, we, we joke, we call it kind of laundering it through the HSA. There, there are services where, you know, you swipe your HSA card and it'll immediately pull the funds in and it'll touch it for half a second, you know, before being routed out to your doctor. Uh, but now you get it tax free uh, versus having the, or as a tax deduction versus having to, uh, you know, use, use your cash on it uh, that you've, you've, you've paid after tax. So, so HSA uh, is an excellent it's an strategy. People are leaving on the on the ground a lot. Yeah. So HSA is an excellent strategy if you are someone that has a high tax rate. So that that can even apply. You don't necessarily need to have a high income, but if you're self-employed and you Correct. pay a um, you know you pay your self-employment tax, um, HSAs can be a great way to lower your overall um, income because anything that you save and put aside in that HSA is um, mm-hmm. not taxed. And you can actually just leave it in there. So at, it, at retirement age, it actually just converts to a regular account. Um, you can only right. use it for health expenses when you're under retirement age, um, but you can leave it in there. You can also decide to put money in that HSA and still pay for mm-hmm. things out of pocket and not necessarily pay for it out of that HSA account. So, um, mm-hmm. and just leave that money in there um, because you can actually invest that money if you want. So it kind of can act as like a second retirement account. It is. Yeah, it actually has some real advantages as a retirement account. You know, we, we would always recommend folks, you know, make sure you have, you know, at least one year's deductible worth kind of, you know, solvent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then after that, you know, there's some really neat services now where you can invest HSA dollars uh, like you would a 401k or something like that and, you know, buy stocks and bonds and mutual funds and um, there's, there's a great way to make that grow and, and it ro- rolls over each year. It's your money. 
Uh, there's no lose it or use it or lose it provision that, that some people think of with uh, FSAs, some of these other acronyms. Um, most people that have, now the one catch to HSAs is you have to have an HSA qualified health plan. And there's some rules afoot, uh, you know, with, with all the healthcare changes going on to, to loosen those uh, restrictions a bit. Uh, and if that happens, then everyone needs an HSA. Uh, if uh, until then, though, you know you do have to have an HSA qualified account, but it, but it stays with you and it's your money and you keep it. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, we see that uh, about seventy percent of people that have an HSA qualified account never even open it. Uh, so they're leaving a lot of money on the table. So the um, that's a really important thing to know. So if you're looking on the exchange and you're looking at different plans, um, you can you can do the math yourself to see if it's HSA qualified. Just um, Google HSA. Um, limits 2018. But the easiest way to tell is that they will have HSA in the name of the plan. Um, And so, you know, if you're looking at, you know, Providence uh, 1529 plan, it'll also say HSA if it's HSA qualified. And one of the reasons I bring that up is that um, if you're just looking at, um, so there's essentially a um, minimum deductible that it has to have to be HSA qualified Mm -hmm. right now. And there's also a maximum out of pocket. So some of the Mm -hmm. really cheap plans actually don't qualify for an HSA despite having really high um, uh, deductibles because they have um, too high of an out-of-pocket maximum. Um, and that that was the plan that I was on. So I wasn't able to open an HSA. Um, and there's also some other things, which is that like if it pays anything before your deductible, then it doesn't qualify for um, HSA. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to do the math yourself, just look to make sure that HSA is in the name of the plan on the exchange if you're doing shopping yourself because it's really easy to get caught up because a lot of this is stuff in the fine print like one of these plans didn't qualify even though it looked like it qualified just because it would pay for a 25 dollar eye exam uh before you hit Mm -hmm. your deductible and then suddenly it doesn't qualify um so that's really important if you're looking for an hsa plan this is really great there's two ways in which hsa plans are awesome for you so if you are someone with a very high cost, um, high cost medical condition, so I have rheumatoid arthritis, my medication is $3,000 a month, I hit my out-of-pocket maximum in March of every year. Um, and I'd, everything is free to me after that. HSA plans are really great because of that, because most of my out-of-pocket maximum for me is um, covered by copay assistance for my drug, which is also true for a lot of people with like asthma or Crohn's or diabetes mm-hmm. that have really high cost drugs. The other way that an HSA is great is if you're young and healthy and one of those people that we were desperate to get insured uh, because you don't cost the system very much, HSA is great for you because you're going to have low premiums. And if you have a high tax rate, you can open one of these HSAs and have a little bit of money set aside in savings. And if your tax rate is 25%, that money that you've set aside for your deductible, you essentially just got a 25% bonus of money to set aside. Um, yeah. So those are really the two circumstances in which an HSA account can make a ton of sense. Uh, a lot of them mm-hmm. cost hundreds of dollars a month less than um, alternative plans that are not HSA qualified. We look at it, you know, the way we describe it, exactly how you did, Lillian. But you know, uh, you know, when you're kind of balancing, you know, premiums. Obviously, you know, lower premiums are probably going to mean a higher deductible or, or less copays. Uh, and, and, you know, higher premiums can, can mean, you know, are there's more deductibles and co-pays. Usually we want to tilt the, the favor towards definitely pay less, right? The premium is what you definitely have to pay each month uh, uh, rather than definitely paying more for a higher premium. 
and then use an HSA or use the flexibility. Yes, it stinks if you're healthy, relatively healthy, and you do need to go to the doctor, and uh, you know I get, you got to pay a hundred bucks or one hundred and fifty dollars, you know, the full price versus having a twenty dollar copay. But you got to remember how much you're saving each month on premiums, and at least you're going unless you're going routinely, you're going to come out way ahead at the end of the year. You know, and the flip side of that is, is what you described, where if, if you have uh, arthritis or asthma or you're managing a condition, you know, the calculation you want to do is actually how can I hit that max out of pocket as quickly as possible and in as a tax advantage way as possible. Uh, and, and people, they, they'll think that, oh, I've, I've got rheumatoid arthritis. I must need the most expensive gold or platinum plan. And usually that's not true. Uh, usually it's going to be the high deductible bronze plan with an HSA, and it stinks. As you mentioned, Lily, you know, the first two or three months, you're going to pay, you know, for the full amount. Uh, but then the rest of the year, you have a low premium, and you've hit that max, so you're not paying anything else. Versus if you got a gold or platinum plan, you would slowly reach up uh, to hit that max, and then you're saddled with uh, the high premiums the rest of the year. So, um you know, really trying to minimize what you have to pay each month and premiums is, is a great strategy. Yep, definitely. Okay, so we've we've thrown around the term deductible and out-of-pocket maximum a lot, but we haven't actually no, defined what's the difference. <laughs> Those are the two numbers that are kind of staring at you uh, along with the premium when you're on the exchange. So premium is what you pay each month. Mm -hmm. What is Correct. the difference between deductible and out-of-pocket maximum? Good question, and we actually see a lot of people, kind of back to the mistakes we see people make um, in, in surveys and in some kind of academic uh, testing we've done, people overweigh, the, the two numbers they, they overweight the most, uh, and it's the ones that they understand, uh, are the, the primary visit copay, or primary provider copay, what you see when you uh, go to see a, a doctor, uh, and then the deductible, which is just to, to define the deductible, uh, this, in simplest terms, you're going to pay everything up to your deductible, uh, and, then you're, and then that's when your health insurance benefits kick in. Uh, so sometimes and the max out-of-pocket is the most you'll pay before the health insurance company takes over for everything. So sometimes the deductible and the max out-of-pocket are equal. Mm -hmm. So you pay, let's say you have a $5,000 deductible and a $5,000 max out-of-pocket, you'll pay the first $5,000 and then nothing more. Uh, sometimes there's a gap between those where maybe you have a $3,000 deductible and then something called co-insurance where you pay a percentage of the cost until you hit that max number. Um, so that's kind of the, the simplest way to understand it. Uh, one of the mistakes we see people make is, is they panic over the deductible. They think, oh, my gosh. Uh, and, and a lot of it has to do with how health insurance has evolved the last few years where it, it used to be you got nothing before the deductible. Now, with the way the marketplace works, there's actually a lot available uh, before the deductible. So your, all your preventive cares or uh, preventative visits are covered. You know, immunizations, well checks, screenings, uh, all those are included. You know, before you hit the deductible. So a reasonably healthy person, uh, they could access the healthcare system several times a year and never actually pay anything that would go towards the deductible. When they get sick or break their leg or are in an accident or injury, that's when kind of the deductible comes in, into play. Um, and so we'll see people think and, and artificially buy a very expensive plan that has a lower deductible when they, when they don't really need it. Um, and then those that do think they're getting a great deal, but they're not paying attention to that out-of-pocket max. <laughs> 
and uh, they right. end up paying more over the year than than if they had uh, just chosen the plan with the lower out of pocket. So we we recommend people look at that max limit because that's really if you're trying to protect yourself against you know financial bankruptcy financially catastrophic yep. event bankruptcy. Uh, that out-of-pocket max is way more important than any of the other numbers. So, so look at that. Yeah, and um, it's also very important if you're like me and you have a very expensive condition because um, you know, exactly. like if you if you know you're probably going to get hospitalized at least once during the year um, because you have something mm. that it's likely that you'll get hospitalized. That out-of-pocket max is really what you should be predicting your expenses at um, because those, these things add up. One thing I do want to mention is that out-of-pocket mm-hmm. max sounds like a really sexy term because it sounds like it's giving you a really clear idea of that's the maximum that you're going to have to pay. Um, but there mm-hmm. are scenarios in which you will have to pay more after you've hit the out-of-pocket maximum, which are, yeah. uh, remember that out-of-network, in-network situation. So mm-hmm. um, if you are on certain kinds of plans, if someone, if say, for example, you end up uh, you know, getting in a bike crash and you have to get your wrist fixed and you go to the hospital and, you know, I had, I had wrist surgery. I don't even know how many people touched me while I was, uh, you know, like <laughs> touched my wrist and I had an anesthesiologist and a bunch of people. And they all and, cost thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah, no. And the, I, it was literally, it was like two feet, uh, stacked worth of envelopes of, of bills and explanation of benefits uh, that came yeah. to my house over several months. And um, that they were all were from individual people that had that bill you separately. And if one of those people that interacts with you is out of network, even after you've hit that out of pocket max, it's possible mm-hmm. that you are actually going to end up owing money on top of that. Yes. And it's, uh, it's kind of a sneaky trick. I say trick. I, you know, I, I'm sure there's some where there's, uh, you know, you know, ill, ill will thoughts uh, included. A, a lot of times, you know, anesthesiologists just don't know, or or the hospital will contract with them, and there's so many health plans and different networks that that uh, they don't line up. You know, you go to the hospital uh, thinking you're in network, and you, all of a sudden you get these out of network bills. Um, uh, you know, where you can be as a smart consumer is making sure that your regular doctors that you want are in network uh, or you're aware that, all right, I'm paying my dentist cash, stuff like that, uh, and and know which hospitals are in network. Uh, and we've built some great tools at uh, takemanhealth.com where you can actually search. Healthcare.gov uh, has some limited features around that as well. And always the best way is just to call the doctor or look on the hospital website and, and see. Um if you do get a bill, though, let's say, and, and, that, and we see that scenario a lot where, hey, you, you did your homework, you went to the hospital, you went to the doctor that was in network, and now you get these anesthesiologist bills or these prescription bills that were excluded. Uh, there is a lot you can do. Um, there's some laws in each state that, that actually protect consumers against that. Uh, and we have a great uh, bill negotiation team at TakeCommandHealth.com, uh, and we're, we're happy to look at that for you uh, and, and help an expert uh, you know, connect you and uh, connect with you and say, all right, here's what you can do and here's who to call and here's what to file. Uh, a lot of times, you know, people panic and, and they pay the bill. Um, there's there's almost always some negotiation and, and wiggle room. Uh, and, and especially uh, if, if you go to an in-network facility and they have a, a contractor that's out of network, uh, there's a lot that you can do as a consumer. 
Yeah, um, that's really important thing to emphasize is that um, usually the first offer for what you need to pay is not yeah. the final offer. <laughs> um, and that um, generally, so quite often it's hospitals that people encounter this and almost all mm-hmm. hospitals have a payment plan system set up. Um, and we've talked before about Luckily, medical bills are no longer going to be affecting your credit score as of uh, a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Um, but one of the things that you can do is you can negotiate a payment plan. Most hospitals, especially because so many hospitals tend to be um, religiously affiliated, they tend to be Catholicly mm-hmm. run or something like that. Um, they usually have a payment plan where you can whittle it down if you know you've you've gotten you've negotiated it down and you go, hey, you know, I really I really can't afford this bill. Um, you can come back to them and say, can I pay $10 a month on this $20,000 mm-hmm. bill? Um, and as long as you're paying that $10 a month on time every time, it's going to show up reporting as you are in good standing. And so you're not mm-hmm. going to end up in bankruptcy on that bill as long as you talk to them. So <laughs> this is one of the problems I see a lot of people run in run into is this stuff is so confusing and so frustrating. And like you mm-hmm. probably had some traumatic thing happen to you, even if it's just that you had a child, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but perhaps perhaps you had a really major crash or something like that. It It's so stressful that people shut down and they won't open mm-hmm. the mail and they avoid it because they are like, I don't have the money. I can't, I'm just, I'm just not going to open the mail because I can't do anything about it. And quite often just having a conversation can get you even often put on a $0 payment plan or you can, um, get oh, them, huge. yeah. Yeah. Or and, you can uh, get them to forget A lot it. of times just the call alone, uh, you know, will save you 20 or 30%. Because you got to remember the hospital is in a funny situation where they're trying to collect after they've done everything. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, so, it's not uh, the best business you plan. You <laughs> have way more leverage than you think. Um, and, you know, we, as, as a rule of thumb, and, and you're mentioning it, we, we say, hey, never, never pay the first bill. Never, never pay the first offer. Uh, now, don't, don't not open it and let it go to collection. <laughs> but a lot of times, you don't want, you, you don't want, what was that guy's name? Dog the bounty hunter or whatever, like <laughs> knocking on your door. But, you know, uh, let, let it bounce around the system a little bit. Um, you know, usually uh, if, if the hospital doesn't get something from you, they'll refile it with insurance. A lot of times the codes they, they might have filed with the insurance company were getting rejected and that's why your bill is so high. Um, you know, it's, it's worth, if, if you get a crazy bill, uh, it's it's worth calling uh, the provider, and if if you don't want to do that, that's where um, you know take command health. Our service is really designed for consumers. Where hey, we'll we'll do that for you, uh, and we we encourage people. Hey, send in all your bills, and we'll tell you right away. Like oh, yep, you know what, you got to pay that one, uh, or you know, hey, let's let's uh, let's call this hospital, or let's call this doctor. It looks like these codes were wrong. There's so many places in the system where it can go wrong. And a shocking statistic I heard was that any medical bill that has uh, more than two lines on it, so two codes or more, in other words, they, they did two things to you, 50% of those have an error. <laughs> it is not usually in your favor. Yeah, medical billing is, um, we've talked before about how credit reports are hard to read, even if you're trained in reading them. And medical billing mm-hmm. is one of those things where people specialize this, in this for their entire career, just reading oh, and crazy. dealing with medical billing yeah. codes. Um, yeah, when I when I broke my wrist and I, I had, you know, I probably collectively spent maybe 20 to 30 hours on the phone dealing with all of those bills and with my insurance mm-hmm. and negotiation. And I just had this moment of like, I'm sure rich people don't do this. Rich people must have someone that does this. <laughs> 
for them. And one of the frustrating things is actually that wasn't really true. No, <laughs> um, they're, but they're, they're doing it too. It's, it's the great equalizer is our health system. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure that I would uh, use that shorthand, but uh, the great frustrator perhaps across frustrator, all demographics. Sure. Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, it's really awesome that at, at least you guys are able to kind of fill that niche for people because it can be really frustrating. Um, mm. Did it, Will, you're our test subject as our, you know, our target millennial. What yeah, else yeah. do you want to know? Because we've just thrown out a lot of questions about health insurance, but um, we obviously have only scratched the surface. <laughs> oh, gosh. The HSA was a huge one. That's definitely something I'm going to look into more, especially as someone who's on a lot of uh, contract work. Um, mm -hmm. What I, I guess for me, the, the, the worry about it, insurance is addressing unpredictabilities uh i'm planning mm -hmm. on keeping my job i'm planning on you know <laughs> right. you're <laughs> planning on not healthy. getting hurt yeah yeah um i mean what 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 would you recommend for people who are concerned about uh the the, the unpredictabilities of life i mean sure that's for me one of the things that i i really recommend with that is um we've talked about the emergency fund before and how powerful the emergency mm -hmm. fund is and one of the really great things about the emergency fund in an hsa is that if you're able to do that savings and and get that extra benefit of not having to pay taxes on that savings um then it can really help with you are going to know that out-of-pocket maximum of course that doesn't mm -hmm. help with that scenario of an out of network person suddenly touched you in a hospital and now it costs <laughs> past your out of pocket maximum right. but um but i think that one of the things is to really look at that out of pocket maximum and um make predictions for just worst case scenario predictions where you actually kind of work towards setting aside that money towards that out of pocket maximum mm -hmm. um and you know hope it doesn't happen tomorrow but um, that HSA rolls over year to year. So once you've built that up, you can kind of sit on that out-of-pocket maximum in that HSA, hopefully preparing for an eventual thing that never happens. <laughs> right, right. Huh. No, that makes a lot. That's, that's definitely a, something I want to look more into. Jack, did you have anything to add to point. that? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to add, you know, I think for Oh My Dollar listeners and, and how you guys, uh, you know, are, are being thoughtful about setting aside emergency funds, uh, you definitely want to be cognizant of, of uh, you know, the health piece, uh, you know, because, yeah, you, you know, your refrigerator breaks or, or something, you know, that, that, that you would, you, or your car breaks down uh, and you want to have those emergency funds to draw on, you know, being mindful of where that max limit is or that max out-of-pocket limit is and, and how much you have uh, in your emergency account uh, can provide just a lot of peace of mind. Um, it, obviously, if, if you have a health event or you get in an accident or your you know, kid or wife or spouse or, or whatever, you know, there's going to be so much emotional stress. You know, one thing you can do now is, is make sure you have that, that max out-of-pocket set aside in the emergency fund so that uh, you, know, you, you, can, you can focus on you know, getting better or, or taking care of whatever you need to. And at least the financial part is one less thing you know, that can, can kind of hinder your recovery. Um, and that is an important thing to mention. If the unpredictability of life, one of those things that you're going to be aware of the out-of-pocket maximum for is if you are going to have a child. Um, yeah. So you're in a really awesome situation right now, actually, if you happen to be pregnant or uh, your mm -hmm. partner is expecting and you are shopping on the exchange because you have more information than the health insurance companies do about you, <laughs> about, uh, about what your health care costs are going to be next year. Um, and um, 
delivering a baby is the mo- the most expensive country in the world to deliver a baby in is the United States. Um, and so be aware that um, that you are likely going to hit that out of pocket maximum um, on your insurance for the following year. And so just be aware of that um, when you're shopping, if you happen to know that you are expecting next year. Uh, which is really awesome because one of the previous things that was very frustrating is often you couldn't get insurance once you were pregnant um, before mm-hmm. the ACA came out. So uh, that is one of the nice things is that now you can. <laughs> um, I had one question about mental health. So, um, you know, for organ listeners, um, mental health is one of those essential health benefits. Um, so um, we kind of have a, we haven't, because we're bleeding heart liberals in this state, we have a, uh, some extra healthcare benefits in our exchange. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. our state is broke, so who knows if those are going to continue to exist. Um, but uh, if you're not in Oregon and you want to get therapy or you want to have access to mental health benefits um, and it's mm-hmm. not considered an essential benefit, um, how do you make sure that you have access to them? When you're shopping on the exchange, what do you what do? You do? Um, where do you look? And if your insurance doesn't cover it, how can you pay for it? That's a good question, Lillian. And, you know, mental health is, is so important to a person's well-being. Um, on there, there's kind of the so in Oregon, what, what's happened is is nationally, uh, mental health is considered an, an essential health benefit, but it's not as strong as it is in Oregon. In other in other words, Oregon and other states have kind of beefed it up. Uh, but let's say uh, you know you're in a state where it it hasn't been enhanced. You know, there's still a few things you know you should know. Uh, is that one insurance still has to cover kind of inpatient and outpatient stuff. Uh, and, and they do have to provide, you know, proof that there is, you know, adequate access to those sorts of facilities. But what they can do is really minimize, you know, maybe there's only a, a handful, you know, really inpatient uh, is, is, the, is the big cost driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, it, they may restrict it to only a few facilities. And so that's where if, if you or someone in your family uh, uh, needs some mental health treatment, being really mindful of who's in and out of network is going to be essential for you. Uh, if you're, no matter where you are, but especially if you're outside of Oregon and, and some of these other states. Um, the other thing to remember we talked about too is, is kind of outpatient uh, mental health. Uh, they do have to cover it, but as, as you mentioned, it's very rare to find a, a counselor or therapist uh, that, it, that still accepts uh, individual insurance on the exchange. Uh, I actually have a buddy, uh, we're, we're here in Texas, uh, that does. And kind of the common practice here is you'll get a lot of new folks that are trying to build their practice, mm-hmm. will accept insurance for a little while, and then as soon as they, you know, filled up their schedule, then they turn it off. <laughs> uh, and, the, um, you know, so, so there are providers there. Uh, it's not going to be robust. If you're looking at a lot of kind of outpatient, you know, or you go once a week to a therapist or a counselor, you may actually want to talk with them about, you know, hey, what's, what's a cash price I could use? Uh, and then use your HSA or use other ways to cover it uh, where, where you're not kind of beholden to the, to the limited networks that you'd find on the, on the exchange plans. Yeah. For and that, inpatient, in-network's got to be huge. You've got to be in-network or you won't, you won't get those benefits. Yeah, and that, that can be 
especially something like addiction treatment is um, very costly, usually, if you've got inpatient. Yeah. Um, one of the places, I, I get no kickbacks from this, but one of the main places that people search for therapists that you can actually sort by insurance network is therapist.psychologytoday.com. Um, and they have little like mm -hmm. profiles and th there on things. It's a, it's, a, it's a marketing platform for therapists, but it tends to be the first place to go. And the nice thing is it does let you look by insurance, but I always recommend gut checking because some of the uh, therapists will say that they take like all the insurance plans and then you find out that presumably actually your specific insurance plan doesn't um, cover, doesn't. doesn't, isn't one of the things Ooh. that they take. So um, do a double check. Um, but, you know, they want your business if you're looking for a new therapist. And um, mm -hmm. so you can often, if they do have any relationship with your insurer, you may be able to negotiate for them to do your plan. So for sure. And, and always call and ask too. We we have a lot of situations in uh, in Texas. We have there's uh, Blue Cross is a big provider here, and there's actually five Blue Cross networks. So people will call and, and most therapists they don't know the details. They're like, oh yeah, I take Blue Cross, but it's not the one that you have. Right, it's um, not the right one. <laughs> not the right one. So you need to clarify. Do you take the Blue Cross HMO Gold Network? And you can find that. You know, another way to do it is you know, using uh, services like you mentioned from that psychology today, uh, you know, to kind of get a, a hint or a lead. Uh, but then really the ultimate way is to talk to the provider and ask them specifically or to call the insurance company and say, hey, does Dr. you know, so-and-so uh, accept the plan I have right. uh, just to verify. Yep. Um, I, think, I think that's it. Is there any other questions? Will, I'm looking at you, Will, as our... That, 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 that's all I got right now. I mean, I've, I've definitely got a lot to, uh, to think about and figure out. Um, so if you're shopping on the exchange, um, we still have two more episodes before the deadline, which is December 15th. That is your deadline. You will not have an opportunity yeah. to get insurance for 2018 unless you have a change of life status, which essentially means you get married or you pop out a baby. Um, and so... Uh, it's really important that if you are looking for insurance next year, you actually hit that deadline by December 15th. And I would recommend going a couple days earlier because the website can break um, and you don't yeah. want to end up don't in don't wait until the 15th. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to be the slowest up. website ever on December 15th. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you have any questions, if you are confused by any terms, let us know. We're going to have experts on um, all month up until that uh, December 15th deadline to answer your questions. Um, but I hope this helped. And thank you so much, Jack, for coming on and answering all of these questions. We have taken up a ton of your time, and I think it will really help our listeners. Oh, Lillian, thank you so much for what you're doing. And I think focusing on this as a topic, uh, you know, especially for, uh, you know, I guess the last thing I'd want to mention is, you know, healthcare, it, it feels daunting, but you can be a good health insurance consumer. And it's so important for budgeting and, and your financial well-being. Uh, it's it's worth you know if you're if you're frustrated it's worth finding help uh, and, and taking a little time to to figure it out each year. Um, so if people are interested in Take Command, uh, where can they find you? Uh, yes, uh, we'd love to help at uh, TakeCommandHealth.com, and uh, in Oregon we'll have some alternative health plans. Uh, now you, that's a whole other topic, uh, but. Uh, you know, we'll help walk through and if there's see there might be some some good options off the exchanges uh, uh, for you. And then we can certainly help with kind of the, the bill negotiation and, and some other things that we mentioned. So, uh, you know, if, if you have questions, uh, you can email us or chat with us online. 
Uh, we have experts that are really are available to help all the time, uh, help you make a great decision. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, have a lovely day. Thank you. I hope that gave you a little bit to think about, listeners. Um, I know that shopping for health insurance can be frustrating and hard, but uh, that wraps our show for today. We look forward to your questions if you have some. Our producer is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki, and I'm Lillian Carbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening, and till next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. 